Hey everybody, hey everybody, how are you guys doing? I'm Colleen Fabry and this is Venture Europe. Venture Europe is a series of conversations with successful entrepreneurs, investors and ecosystem contributors where we discuss about the strategies, tactics, frameworks and failings that they have used and experienced during their journey. It is my personal vendetta to contribute in making Europe one of the most attractive entrepreneurial ecosystems in the world. Big words, hard work, so let's get started. My guest today is Kerry Murphy, founder and CEO of The Fabricant. The Fabricant is a digital fashion house that operates at the intersection of technology and fashion. They use technology to create seductive fashion narratives unconstrained by the boundaries of the physical realm. They recently raised a $14 million Series A round led by Greenfield One with participation from Ashton Kutcher and other strategic angels. During this episode, we discuss about the importance of fashion in our identity, the components of a story, and the vision of the fabricant in the future of the metaverse. Please enjoy this excellent conversation with Carrie Murphy, founder and CEO of The Fabricant. How are you doing? Yeah, all good. It's Thursday today, uh, so coming to the end of the week. Every day is a massive challenge in the startup world, uh, you know. So it's like lifting heavy weights every single day and not getting enough rest, you know. So that's kind of the feeling, uh, but I'm still super happy with how everything's going. The world of digital fashion is super exciting and it just somehow it just keeps going. Even though there's a massive crypto bear market and this like total depression happening in the markets, digital fashion just has a lot of excitement in it. Yeah, that, that gives me a lot of energy. And yeah, honestly, I, could, I can say that I'm happiest that I've ever been in my life. Wonderful to hear. You mentioned that it's a roller coaster. Every day is like full of action. How do you actually rest? Yeah, no, that's a great question. It, it's super important. And it, if you do some sports, you understand there's two mantras around sports. One is to actually do sports, which is the easy part. Then the other one is nutrition and the other one is sleep. So as long as you got your nutrition and your sleep in order, you, you will be feeling fine. Because I always say that running a startup is a top sport. You got to be physically fit. You gotta be mentally fit. You gotta be spiritually fit to be able to handle so it doesn't get to you because it's a never ending marathon with a lot of sprints in between. And uh, you just gotta keep going and try to have fun with it as much as possible. Yeah, keep, keeping that health in place is super important. I, the easiest way to start with is with the physical health aspect. Got it, so physical health, nutrition and enough sleep. Sleep is the most important thing in life, I tell you. <laughs> Don't you have a rebel inside of you? Like sometimes I have this rebel inside of me. I know theoretically everything that I need to do, but then inside of me, I want to rebel a little bit. Ah, going to bed at 10 and getting my eight hours sleep. Yeah, no, I think that's necessary as well. That there was a time that I was super strict, a lot of sports and only healthy nutrition, clean eating and a lot of sleep. But what you start feeling is you start feeling like a robot at some point, like this kind of routine, the emotion disappears. I'm, I'm going to say something completely against what I was just talking about. Sometimes I just love to have some really nice drinks, smoke a few cigarettes and just not care about anything for one night, knowing that I will pay the consequences of that for a few days. But it's, it's just le letting loose is important, but it's part of that relaxation that goes into it. I, I do it very little. 
I'm also 40 years old, so I have to be a little bit careful because my hangovers are four, four days long in that sense. So the timing is essential, but definitely it, life is about balance, finding a balance, a healthy balance between everything, between healthy living, unhealthy living, between being a rebel and between being, being a good boy. <laughs> love it, love it. And you mentioned digital fashion and how everything is going so fast. Tell us a little bit, like, what is digital fashion? And how did we get here? I'll start with the first part, because the second part is a little, little bit more complex. Digital fashion essentially is focused more on the virtual identity side of things. So if you think about fashion from like, what is it from a philosophical standpoint or uh, from a functional standpoint, essentially, like what is the function of clothing? One is to cover your body. Two is to keep you warm. But the main aspect of fashion is it has to do a lot with your identity. What is the story that you tell today to the world through this clothing that you wear? If you decide to wear just a black t-shirt, you're telling a story. If you decide to wear a super colorful hippie t-shirt, you're telling a story. So clothing has a lot to do with storytelling, essentially. And that's what we're focused on with digital fashion. It's just looking at it from really different channels. So it's not something that you wear in your physical life throughout the day. But it is something that you wear in your virtual existence, on your profile pictures. These days, even in your Zoom calls, you can do that, which is to just enrich your identity, to go beyond what it is in our real lives, to challenge yourself a little bit, to think about, hey, I'm especially for me, that I'm not just a stereotypical white male from Finland. No, it's like I can be basically whatever I like in, in the metaverse or in, in the virtual space. I just think about myself as some, somebody more richer than just like the stereotypical boundaries that have been put onto me. The stories that people, how people perceive me, how I perceive myself. You can just completely break those and really challenge yourself to actually think about, hey, how does this affect me in my personal life as, as well? If I'm wearing a dress in my virtual existence, would I do it in my physical existence? Probably not that quick, but it can affect you in, in, in those ways and can really just break taboos and boundaries of, that we set ourselves for society. So digital fashion in short is really focused on how we create our virtual identities. And that's what we're focused on. It's a very high level answer, but that's the truth. And how did we get here? Honestly, I think we've always been here. Yeah, especially when we look at the digital life, when we look at when digital experiences started coming out, when internet started coming out, when we really started connecting to each other in other ways than just in real. It's just an extension of that. It's just a tool that helps us to make a little bit more sense and have a little bit more fun. Digital fashion is definitely there on an entertainment level. But the other aspect, which I'm super keen on, is disrupting an industry, creating a change in an age-old industry, uh, which is the physical fashion industry that is still super fragmented, that has a lot of toxicity uh, and concerns around the environment, around the culture of how these fashion houses are being run, about the supply chain and all the socio-political challenges that go into it. So that, that industry set, it's very hard to change anything within the industry. So we see ourselves really on outskirts of the traditional fashion industry, the challengers, the rebels, the people who come from the sidelines and start poking people who, are, who have been doing things traditionally for a very long time and just creating a little bit of chaos and ho with the hopes that we actually create a better world through that. So it's quite spiritual and esoteric in that sense. 
but that impact sustainability plays a big role in our value set with the company. Where do you see digital fashion within the metaverse or within the Web3? And also, I know that it's kind of a lot of confusion between, okay, what's Web3? What's the metaverse? Probably the digital fashion, it is a component of the metaverse. Is the metaverse probably also a component of Web3? How do you see like the whole ecosystem and how is digital fashion part of that? Yeah, that's a big question. I'll try to really frame it into a short answer. So let's say, let's call the, the metaverse, it's the environment that we exist in. And digital fashion is one of the objects within that environment itself. I, that's if we would paint the picture like that. If we really look at storytelling, there's, you have a main character. That's like the most important part of storytelling. And then you have the four layers that go into to narrate that full world. Number one layer is environment. Number two layer are the objects within that environment. Number three layer is time. What is the time that we exist in? And the fourth layer is what are the situations that happen in that world? So where does digital fashion really fall into that? It falls into the objects and falls into the situations. We can also start playing around with time because fashion can be a way to give a sense of a certain time frame, whether it's the future or the past, whether it's nighttime or daytime. Fashion can really narrate those stories as well. So it's a very powerful storytelling tool within the world. And it's also a way for us to differentiate our unique personalities and identities within this world. If anything, I think it will be one of the strongest tools, one of the most important components as this metaverse is being built digital fashion is just going to play a massive role in that evolution. And it already is, but it will be even more. I love the way you framed it. Were you always trying to frame things going from first principle? Like, what is a story? Like, how did you evolve to have such a deep thinking about what you're doing? Maybe it's not so much deep thinking, but it's just the tools to be able to frame things in, into, into categories, to the tools to be able to build stories from, to build a company from, to build a brand from, to build an identity from, to make sense out of the world, to make sense out of anything, to go to the movies and watch a movie and you'd be like, okay, hey, what are all these different layers that, that we're talking about? Who are the characters? And it gets way more complex, of course, because you know, all characters have certain personalities and they have their flaws and they have their strengths. And like, in, especially in movie making and gaming, all of those things have been thought out of. But I think in our lives, we're constantly struggling to find the meaning of our identities. Okay, hey, how do, where do I belong in this world? How do I want to showcase myself and my identity in this world. So for me, it's tools essentially that make sense out of the co complexity of the challenge that, that we have ahead and to try to frame it in a simple way so people can see it as well in the same way that I see it. So that's like you, you call it as well, a framework essentially to make sense out of a, a funny little niche world that we're in. And Maybe it's obvious now with all the structural trends in the metaverse and Web3, but what gave you the conviction to pursue this seven years ago when you started The Fabricant? I think it was, in hindsight, it was very easy. Back then it was more like in, intuition 
And the intuition came from just being informed by certain things that had already happened. I entered the film world in early 2000. That was about a little bit over 10 years into the digital transformation of the film industry. And back then, the big question was like, which one is better, analog film or digital film? And that kind of, that, that conversation disappeared completely. Kodak went bankrupt in 2012, which is one of my favorite examples of, hey, which one is going, which physical fashion house is going to be the first one to go bankrupt because they chose to go through digital transformation too late. And it was seeing all the same trends happening. It was a lot about the tools getting better, software getting better, the mindset being there. People already starting to have glimpses of, hey, where is this going towards to? Even though it didn't exist yet, we we already knew where it was going towards to. And especially in film, all of those things came true. It all happened within a decade of all the assumptions that were there. And uh, the film and visual effects industry has only been around in a proper manner for about 30 years. And the amount of innovation that's coming from film and visual effects is immense and it moves fast. And I see similar trends within fashion. So it's like having a crystal ball into the future just by looking at other industries, just by looking at film industry, graphic design, photography, architecture, a big one, of course, as well, automotive, any design industry where they've moved towards to, and then you, you, it's easier to predict what's going to happen with fashion. And the greatest thing in 2016 was that digital fashion was not a terminology anyone was using yet alone a digital fashion house. So when it's the first time we're coming up with a concept, the question is like, what does it mean? What is a digital fashion house? Is it just like a traditional fashion house that designs clothing, but only digital? That's like the answers that were unraveling. And right now a digital fashion house, especially ours, is a company operating at the intersection of fashion, visual effects, and blockchain development. You could put it into this triage in many other ways. It's fashion, tech, and product. It's fashion, market, and product. We're a product-led company that focuses on digital-only fashion for our virtual identities. But can be any type of kind of unique selling proposition. So there's a lot of playfulness that goes into it because it, that the world is not set, the rules are not there yet. So we essentially get to be the ones who create the rules. We don't have to be falling against gatekeepers the whole time. The people who have already set the rules, we can be the ones who set the rules. And that's a very comfortable position to be able to operate in because you don't have, you don't, you're not constantly falling into the same traps that's happening, for instance, in, in the advertising industry. We just get to operate on something that's exciting and fun. It just comes down with the caveat, which is it's extremely challenging to be operating in a field where you just don't know where you're going towards to. There's no kind of north star that you already see. There's already there's only an intuition that, hey, we're saying digital fashion will become bigger than the physical fashion industry, which is a $3 trillion industry. And that's the ambition. I'm like, okay, what are all the steps? Like, how do you backtrack that? And how do you see those steps to be like, okay, what is the step that I need to take right now to get one step closer towards that vision? So honestly, a super exciting topic that I still think about a lot as well. But the main answer is that fashion is going digital and there's no way back. Ask yourself, is the world becoming less digital or more digital? And the answer, of course, is more digital. And through that, you just know that it's going to keep growing bigger and bigger. 
you just don't know at what pace. So there's a lot of unknowns, no, unknowns and a lot of uncertainty, but that's part of the excitement of it as well. And the sexiness as well. It's gotta be sexy. It's gotta be simple. It's gotta be scalable. Scalable is very important. Sexy, simple, and scalable. That's right. Ah, love that. Or put it as a title. And when you look at this three pillars, so fashion, visual effects, and then blockchain, what are like the biggest challenges? For the fabricant, product market fit, I would say, is the, the biggest challenge, uh, like really from a mainstream adoption perspective. We have a fantastic community and I absolutely love the people who interact with us and they're all capable of seeing where this is going towards to. For us to, let's say, become a proper business, you know, we're all aiming for profitability. And it's just about finding that, hey, place of what is the fashion that people want? What is the utility or how do they want to use the fashion? Who is true target audience? Of course, we have a lot of data around that. We have a great hunch and feeling for what that is from all the conversations and interviews that we've done, but we haven't found that hockey stick uh, curve moment yet where it just truly starts taking off. So with the traditional startup, we're, we're burning more money than we're making mm -hmm. at the moment. And of course, the intention is to find that moment in time and that product positioning that makes sense that where people actually get value from, where people start using it in a habitual way. That's the, let's say, more the higher level problem. And then I can give you some insights to this organizational things of getting everybody to understand ex the exact strategic direction that we're moving into. Working like a well-oiled machine as a company where everybody understands exactly what we're doing. So it's just about reducing the ambiguity of the day for the full organization and empowering everybody to be on board with that. I'm super proud of the culture that we have with the company. We've always been focused on very heavily on the, on, on the culture. So that's, it's a very good foundation. Now we just need to get better in operations when it comes down to recruitment, when it comes down to processes, when it comes down to just having a proper organizational chart with very clearly defined roles and responsibilities. Must be very stereotypical challenges that sound very boring, but those are just super important to have a proper foundation to really ensure that we're in a good place when that kind of blitz scaling moment is there where the whole world is ready to be wearing digital only clothing and we just need to have that scalable platform in place that we can onboard millions and millions of users so we predict that's going to be 2025 2025 that's right and i would definitely see how maybe coming from a very creative background so the filmmaking background that maybe it doesn't come natural like the all the processes and organization actually to put in place in a company because you just want to come together and create something beautiful. Is that the case? No, no. I would say not. <laughs> I would say I would go, go watch like a highly animated movie. Let's say let's like like the whole like the Marvel movies, the Avengers, whatever. Go look at the credits list and look how many people a part of that is a crazy operation of thousands and thousands of people working together in a short time frame to create this one movie. So everybody understands the vision. If anything, movies are like one of the best organized groups of people coming together because you're having even competitive companies working with each other. So I really look up to, let's say, movie production, maybe not the art of Hollywood, but really just the professionality of Hollywood, of 
how they've been able to really take it so far. And like I said, a lot of innovation comes from the film and visual effects industry. And to get like these thousands and thousands of people together to truly work on this thing, which ends up being a 90 to 120 minutes movie on the screen and the years that go in, into that, it's just crazy. It really is crazy. What I don't like about it, it's not a scalable business model again. It's just, okay, we made one movie, now on to the next one. So that operations side is super important. And thankfully we have a very good CFO who happens to be a COO at the same time and who's really mentoring our teams to be much more operational. So it's becoming a little bit more eclectic, like creative. It's becoming less of a creative industry or a company in that sense, a more a process driven one but it's necessary. And if anything, those processes are there to actually elevate the creativity to the next level. That's the challenge. The tool, it's it, in the end, it's just a tool to be able to do our work in a better manner and to get away from those kind of one-off thinking to really think the action that I'm taking today, how is it going to be relevant in the next five to 10 years? To get people in, into this type of thinking, it's just a mindset shift. And that type of change management just happens to be one of, one of the most challenging ones. But when you start seeing it happen, that's when you start seeing, okay, this is powerful. And I think regardless of the product, any startup is doing, they all go through the same challenges with these type of things. Yeah, I, I agree. I just actually read something this morning or yesterday that it comes very natural for a founder to go from zero to one to build maybe one product and improve it, maybe do a couple of sales, but it comes very unnatural to go from one to two into this revenue generating machine. Is that from Peter Thiel's book, Zero to One? Yeah, Zero to One is the title. I think a founder's fund just made a new hire and he had a LinkedIn post. And uh, yeah, I think he posted something about that. And I was like, yeah, that's so true. So it seems that you guys are going through, through the same phase. And also I saw that you recently raised an A round from Ashton Kutcher and also other investors. How was that like? Yeah, it was cool. I thought I would be able to kick back and chill out for a little bit longer, but this money came in and came with a new set of challenges, but it really accelerated us in, into a new phase, really allowed us to have more resources and re really start delivering to the vision that we had. So we really felt, let's say limited before. And then this, again, just came as a great tool to really push digital fashion onto its next level of evolution. Being somewhat careful in the current market, but we're also building very aggressively. We're really just ensuring that digital fashion is top of mind the whole time with our community and just doing a lot of activations. And we, we also have a fantastic group of investors coming along. So I'm super proud of the syndicate that we've created and that there's just a lot of amazing people behind the scenes really supporting us and helping us out moving further. So it's not only the money that's important, but it's also the, the network and the strategic thinking and hel helpfulness uh, of connecting the dots in the right way. And I just want to give a shout out to Greenfield One, who was leading our series A around that they're really fantastic crypto VC, Europe's largest crypto VC. So definitely look them up. They, they have some really cool investments. And I think they're going to be really pushing the, let's say, the crypto bill in, in Europe as much as possible. Greenfield One. Got it. And at the end, if Kerry from 10 years ago would listen to this podcast, what would you tell him? 10 years ago? Okay, so I'm 40 now. So when I was 30. And you're listening I, to this podcast. Oh man, I, w I wish I was. I, I found myself to be 
fairly naive to the world, even at the age of 30. I would probably say, uh, don't go into the advertising agency world, go into the startup <laughs> world, go into digital fashion, go buy Bitcoin, buy a lot of Bitcoin. That's what I mean. <laughs> yeah, those, those type of things. So yeah, of course, it's very easy to look in hindsight and see what all the things developments. But I would also just give myself back to the back and say, I think I still embody the same values that I did 30 years ago. They just happened to kick me in the ass a lot harder because they don't really fit the traditional corporate capitalistic bill of, hey, I'm here to create impact and do good for the world. Like that type of thinking, it doesn't really work, but I learned a lot in the past 10 years and it's led me here. And I started the conversation with, I'm like, I'm happiest I've ever been. And that's a great place to be in. And back then, it's all the work that I did back then. So if anything, I want to thank my 30-year-old for being me. <laughs> Amazing. I think like Steve Jobs said, that you can never connect the dots looking forward, only looking backward. Yeah, that's a nice quote. That's very true. Thank you. Thank you very much, Carrie, for taking the time and tell us more about digital fashion and about the fabricant. Super exciting on the your road ahead and what's happening in the industry. And looking forward to see what's happening 2025, you said. That's right. I'm looking forward to it too. Let's chat in 2025 again and see what the difference is. Sounds good. We have a deal. <laughs> That's great. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much, Carrie.